Hi there, this is Gary Wilkerson, and you're on with us at the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. We're honored to have with us today Pastor Joshua West. Joshua, thanks for being with us today. Glad to have you on our on our show. Hey, thank you, Gary. It's a pleasure to be with you. I'd like to talk about um, how 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 do we go ahead? How do we move ahead? What 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 is there hope for the church? Are are we uh, sort of is it too late? Are we under judgment or? Is, is there any hope? And if there is any hope, what what's the way ahead? What's the way out? You know, I think uh, we can turn back to the Bible. And obviously, we, we aren't Israel, but we can learn some valuable lessons. You know, God is very patient. God is kind. Uh, it says he's slow to anger. You know, we, we forget this about God because of the, the very small context we have. We live in this very small pocket of linear time and and we make all of our judgments about, you know, eternity based on this, you know, right now I'm at 44 years old. You know, I'm making all my judgments about reality based on such a small window. And so I think if we look to history and we look to God's word, we see a gracious God who always sends watchmen and, and preachers of repentance and prophets that always bring a warning and, and always, you know, repent and turn back to God, repent and you know, uh, follow the follow the Lord again, destroy your idols, um, whatever. And so, you know, I think if you look through our natural eyes, it's very easy to be fatalistic. But the truth is this, first and foremost, the true church of Christ will not fail. It will not falter. Jesus said, you know, that he will build his rock, his church on the rock of the confession of our faith and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So I think most importantly, we have to make sure that we are a part of Christ Church Universal. We are, we are, we are sons and daughters of Christ. And in, in as far as in the local context, you know, I think we have to do our best to be part of Bible preaching churches. We maybe need to take a step back from some of the things that we have grown accustomed to at church. And hopefully you could find a church that fills lots of needs. But the most important thing is is this a biblical church based on what the Bible says is a biblical church? Uh, do you get community? Do you get accountability? Do you get the whole counsel of God preached? Is is there outreach? You know, all of these sort of things that make up a church, but it really has to be built around God's word. It really has to be built around the preaching of God's word. Um, and so I think the the way back is repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And, you know, God will and so as far as are we under judgment, there's no doubt about that. Um, to what degree, I don't know. But Romans 1 makes it clear that a nation that turns against its natural, you know, desires for men, for women, and, and you know, worships, worships created things and whatever instead of the, the God who created everything, that nation is in a very real way under judgment. In fact, some of the things happening here aren't bringing judgment upon us. Some of the things that are happening in our culture right now are the judgment of God. Um, But I feel like as a preacher, it's not my job to uh, tell people what God will or won't do in the future. My job is to preach a message of true hope that comes from the gospel um, that draws people to Christianity and, and to the cross of Jesus Christ. You know, I think about the fact that. I think one of the things I talk about in hard sayings is we we tend to look at Christianity through an American lens. And so we can look at it seems like the world is, you know, disintegrating because in a very real way, our culture here here is. But 
cultures have risen and fallen many times uh, since the world began, and God was sovereign through it all. And so I know this for a fact, that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Anyone who repents of their sin and turns back to God will be received by the Lord. And I think that as preachers, we need to examine ourselves and examine our ministries and, and make sure that we're building a kingdom for the Lord and not for ourselves. And really, it comes down to being honest about it. You know, I work in a ministry that, you know, is very, um, you know, is often regarded as mission work. You know, I, I run a, a men's center for Team Challenge. And, you know, we uh, we have a lot of things going on here. We're a bigger center than many other centers. So there's lots of things going on. And, you know, a lot of people who are pastors say, man, I, you know, I admire what you do or you really, you know, you're really dedicated to God. And they think about it like, you know, I'm in in some sort of different ministry than they are. But the truth is the same temptations that every pastor in this country has, I have as well. Um, anytime I write a book, there's a temptation to to give into celebrity culture. Anytime you're 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 preaching, there's a there's a, a temptation to say, you know, maybe I'll get invited more places if I say this or that. And it really comes down to self-examination of God's people. Uh, what will happen to the church? Well, the church is going to survive. Um, will our culture survive? Well, that's that's dependent on on the Lord. And so, you know, just like Charles Spurgeon said, until the the role of the elect is called, I will preach the whosoever will gospel to anyone who listen. And so I think that's my my job and the job of every preacher. We we have a lot of, you know, different areas we're working in, you know, world challenge. You guys are doing things across the globe and and, and, and dealing with ministry a different way. There's, you know, traditional churches, there's parachurch ministries like ours. But the truth is, is the thing that unites us is the gospel of Jesus Christ and the word of God. And and I really feel like that the truth, and let me just say this, I know I'm making a huge run on sentence here. The truth is this, is we are coming to a place in our culture where prosperity driven Christianity isn't going to be listened to much longer, in my opinion. We're coming to a place where, you know, people are riding in the streets because they're looking for answers. They want they want real solutions. They don't want some sort of, you know, Americanized, faulty version of Christianity that just sounds like self-enrichment and self-empowerment. You know, what we need is is the truth. And I and I honestly feel like that, you know, no matter what happens, if this culture listen, I love this country. I pray for it every day. I pray for our leaders, I pray for the American church. But at the end of the day, despite what happens in our culture here, the church will survive. And my job is not to parade around telling everybody God's on my side. Uh, my job is to make sure that I'm on God's side. And that's a, that's a, an admonition to every pastor and every person, and not just pastors, every Christian who holds the banner of, of being a follower and a servant of Christ. And, and I think for people like you and me, we just have to stay faithful to preaching God's word and not be afraid to stand for the truth. You know, the final thing I'll say on this is we have to be so bold with the truth of God's word that there is no doubt about where we stand. That's one thing. We hold that fast and hard. We we're, we will not back down from that. But on the other hand, we should be so loving, so meek, so approachable, so suffering, so loving our enemies, so giving that the world don't know what to do with us. Um, maybe they'll fall under the, the the preaching of repentance, or maybe they'll string us up and kill us. But either way, God is 
is glorified and and our lives are are given as an offering to him so i really feel like you know the the future of the church is really this i had a you know i hear a lot of pastors who talk I actually spoke to a group of pastors the other day and you know a pastor was telling me about how he felt like you know, it's such a shame that denominations are dwindling and it seems like the church is recessing. But the truth is the church isn't recessing. It's only that the middle is disappearing and people are having to make a decision. Are you for him or are you against him? And I think as Christians, we have to be unapologetically for him as we reach out to a lost and dying world and say there's room at the cross for you. Hmm. I've never heard that said before, what you said just a few minutes ago. You know, uh, a lot of civilizations have come and gone, and you're not sure whether ours uh, continues or the, or judgment moves us into a realm of almost like another Rome. You know, just being being hardly uh, recognizable as what it was once as a nation, uh, and yet the church being, you know, God's God's people, that remnant that he is always going to be there, always prevailing. The church, the church triumphant, and. Uh, and I think that gives us hope that, um, you know, for me, I've been looking at, uh, you know, I, I guess I'd say, you know, years ago, if you were to say to me, you know, America's under judgment or is going to be judged or, you know, we're going the way of the Roman Empire, you know, I'd probably said, yeah, and I've heard that my whole life. Uh, you know, every generation seems to say how bad things are. Uh, but, you know, after 40 years of ministry now, I, I think I could probably say the trajectory of Romans 1, you mentioned Romans 1. You know, where where the first time God says to them, you know, or says Romans says, you know, they were given over. And the first time it says because of their lust, and then the second time it, the lust has deviated into a homosexual lust, and then the third one is a depraved mind, which I've heard some people say, you know, that's that's where we're at now, like the this this uh, cascading sense of of being given over, being given over. The worst kind of judgment of all is not where where God sends some type of judgment that calls you back, but where you're given over. And so I was getting kind of hopeless, Joshua. I was, I was like, man, it doesn't seem like there's much hope, maybe except for this small remnant. Uh, but I was looking at in the Greek at this word, given over, given over, given over three times. And it, and it, and, it, and the Lord brought me to, to the, the cross the, where the father, exact same Greek word was the, that the father had given over his son uh, to die for our sins. And so it kind of like my heart leapt. It was like, ah, oh, you know, that, yeah, the world is given over, but Christ was given over for those who were given over to their sin. And there is still hope. And I love what you're doing and preaching the gospel faithfully and, and living it out among, you know, those that you have in your program day in and day out that are, you know, hearing, hearing the gospel. Uh, on a personal note, Joshua, um, the, the, um, I'm trying to get my mind to compute uh, your your ministry and your calling. Normally, if you're day in and day out, how, how many guys do you have in your program there? So we have uh, 60 students, uh, 60 men students. Um, we have 15 interns who are in our uh, internship training, which happens after they graduate. I also am over a, a satellite campus of the Oklahoma School of Ministry, where men are going through and becoming credentialed. So all in all, there's, you know, anywhere between 100, 80 yeah. and 100 men at one time. And that's not counting the 120 men that we have in our Freedom Challenge program, which is in the, the, the behind the walls of the largest men's prison in Oklahoma, 
where we have two full-time staff members who are doing this program day in and day out. What's neat about that is it's not like we go in there, you know, periodically and minister to them. We have our own pods where men apply to be part of the program, just like Team Challenge, and they get pulled out of general population and they come to be part of this ministry and they go through the Team Challenge program. And obviously when they graduate, they stay in as leaders because just because you graduate Team Challenge in prison doesn't mean you get out of prison. But many of these men will get out of prison and we've seen the impact that they've had on their families and their communities. And so really, you know, a few hundred men under our care here at our yeah. center. And then we're part of a a win or a, a an umbrella of Teen Challenge Oklahoma, which has two men's centers, two women's centers, and uh, a juvenile boys and a juvenile girls center. And we're one mm-hmm. organization that, uh, you know, has been here for 32 years. And, uh, you know, we're trying our best to stay true to the original vision of, of your dad and uh, your uncle Don, who has uh, uh, become a very dear friend of mine. And really just to, not even just to their vision, but to the gospel call of, yeah. of what it means to follow Jesus. Because the truth is, even in our context, there's a subtle temptation to focus on the wrong things. Yes, addiction and crime and trouble brings them here. But the truth is, is, is what we have for them is Christ and Christ crucified, stumbling block to Jew and, and foolishness to Gentiles. And uh, that's our contribution to the church. And if you don't mind, yeah. just let me say a couple of things. What, what most excites me about this part of my ministry is the fact that I, I know local church pastors who have been produced from this gospel-centered ministry that are pastoring gospel-centered churches all across the state and all across this country. We, we've sent out a few missionaries. We're sending out another one at the end of this year. Uh, our friend Wesley Burns, who's been our media guy for the last few years, is going to Japan. And so for us being able to see that fruit um, produce. And, and I think one of the biggest things, not to get back to our last conversation, but I think if we're trying to produce large numbers of success stories, we get in trouble. But if we deal with people like Jesus did on an individual basis, realizing we can't, you know, it's great if I can speak to a group of 20 or 30,000 people. That's great. What an awesome opportunity. But the truth is discipleship has happens in the context of, of one man or one woman coming alongside another and, and discipling them in the faith. And I think for me, that's one of the things I love about this ministry so much. And not as a critique, but I've had many pastors say, I wish my church was more like that. <laughs> and uh, and I think if that's the, the idea, not that we're going to make many disciples and, you know, have this sort of grandiose, but if we just disciple the people God has entrusted to us, and that's all I'm doing here, you know, um, I... I've had I have a lot of opportunities. I have a YouTube channel, and I've been fortunate enough to be able to go and speak places across the country, which I'm thankful for. But God has called me here um, to do this ministry with these group of men, and uh, until God calls me away, I think this is where where He has me. And I think the uh, the idea of being called as a pastor um, is something that helps keep us balanced, rather than looking at being a pastor as a career. So how can I get to the next branch on the on the tree? How can I get to the next rung on the ladder? And, uh, you know, the idea that God has called me here. And I, and I feel like, um, you know, and listen, let me just say this, too. There are many pastors that uh, I know that all across this country that are biblically faithful men. And there are men and women discipling people in a biblical, faithful way, preaching the true gospel. So we can't completely be distracted by what we see going on. 
in the places that are making the abuses or the places that are the worst. Let's, let's not let the media or popular culture convince us to the work God's doing. And I think if we're engaged in ministry ourselves and we're seeing real fruit being produced, we will we'll be focused on that. You know, for me, I don't I don't get concerned with, um, you know, how many people we're, we're producing. It is exciting to say a pastor here, a missionary there. But the truth is, um, you know, Jesus produced 12 disciples and those men turned the world upside down. And I think if we look at people as individuals who need the gospel, that's that really does help us focus as pastors, you know, making disciples ourselves to make disciples. And I think that really has everything to do with a gospel call that starts with pick up your cross and follow me. There is no, I'm sorry, I'm preaching again, Gary. There is no room in Christianity for Christians who haven't surrendered to the cross of Christ and Christians who aren't carrying their own cross. There is no invisible group of middle Christians or lukewarm Christians. There's no such thing. Uh, We just like that term because Revelation 3 says people who are lukewarm in a church, but not everyone in a church is a Christian. True Christians are followers of Jesus. Um, Some of them follow poorly at times like I have and like maybe Peter did. But at the end of the day, true followers love and follow Jesus. And if that's what we're giving to a lost and dying world, um, then then we're we're giving the true Great Commission. The the gospel summed up as this, a holy God, sinful man, and unmerited, unearned grace that comes in the gospel. It takes all three of these things to um to preach the true gospel. If you leave any part of that out, you're 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 preaching a false gospel. We've got to see God as holy enough to deserve um you know that's why people go to hell because <laughs> God is holy. Um uh, we're sinners. We deserve to go to hell. You know, there are no good people who are accidentally going to hell. But fortunately because God is gracious and good and and loving, he made a way for us through the cross and if we see the cross through that lens, then we see it as this this amazing grace like the hymn writer wrote about. Wow. I'm very encouraged, Joshua, by what you're saying. And I think I'm picturing in my mind as you speak, um, you know, as we ask about the condition of the church and the hope for the church, where my mind goes from just summing up what I'm hearing from you is that, uh, and and you didn't break it down into thirds, but I'm going to do it just for the sake of clarity. Uh, There's a third of the church that is, um, deconstructing their faith and they're moving into things that, uh, you know, are, are definitely not biblical. And then there's a third of the church we see through the statistics, uh, the Barnapole, they're just leaving the church totally. You know, they're just like, I don't have, have no time or thought for it. Uh, but the, the good news is there's still a third of the church that's probably always been their faithful anyway that's doing what you're talking about. And these young men that you're training up for ministry, they're preaching the gospel of power, of purity, that the, you know, that they're not looking, you know, Paul said, you know, I don't preach with, you know, the Jews are looking for signs and the Greeks for wisdom. Uh, you know, I'm not using the wisdom of this world and I'm not trying to, you know, have smoke and mirrors to draw a crowd. I'm just, I just want to preach the truth and, and people are hungry for the truth. And so, I, it, you know, what you're saying gives me great hope. Uh, the reason I was asking about the teen challenge work that you're doing and how many men were, are there, you know, it's not necessarily to see how big the program was, but just, uh, just was my last question for you is, it doesn't seem like, you know, with all that work you have to do with, you know, hundreds of men in the prison that, you know, it seemed like your books would be about like rehab or how to overcome addiction, but they seem to be more, you know, your mind and your heart. Uh, I'm sure I obviously it's there because you work day in and day out with these guys you're working with, 
but you seem to speak a lot about the church and about the kingdom of God and Christ and his righteousness. You know, you know where I'm heading here? This, like, I think my question is like, like, why aren't you writing books about addiction and stuff? Why, why are you writing this? What's, what is it in your heart that stirs that up? For me, you know, um, being convinced, you know, hopefully like the apostle Paul that I could say, I'm convinced that neither death nor life, you know, height nor depth. Um, I'm convinced that the gospel is the only means, you know, I don't look at the men that God bring into my care necessarily as the hard cases. To be honest with you, what I've, what I've, my experience has been is a person who is desperately broken is a lot easier to reach with the truth than someone who thinks they're okay. I think that is the problem with the lukewarm condition of the church in Laodicea that, you know, uh, John, the revelator, you know, speaks on behalf of Jesus to the idea that this, this is the place where, you know, gospel evangelism is needed most, the place where we think it's needed the least. You know, these people that are saying, hey, you're over there hoping those drug addicts, good for you, good for them, never examining themselves to see whether or not they are truly in the faith. And to me, that is the epidemic. That's where the that's where the battle lines are. And, and I do feel a strong calling towards that because the ministry that, uh, that I'm engaged in here, I see is no different as the other because these men are becoming part of the church. And I want to produce men that are going to go in and, and, and you know, represent Christ at every level of the church as pastors, as parishioners, as missionaries, as just average people who are ministers, lay ministers who, you know, sell insurance or, you know, run a restaurant or something. And so for me, the reason this ministry that I work at is near and dear to my heart, it's the avenue by which Christ saved me. Um, and so my heart is deeply drawn to the least, the last and the lost. Um, but it's funny here, I, I feel like I'm doing a work of discipleship and to the church of lo- at large, I feel like I'm doing a work of evangelism. Um, mm. Maybe even yeah. an apologetic ministry at some, you know, to some extent. And so I, I feel like to me, my heart is deep for this because I feel like this is what the heart of God is, uh, is fixed on is his church. Uh, this, you know, church that he wants to be without spot or blemish awaiting his appearing. And, and so, uh, you know, and I feel like to be honest with you, the personal journey that I went through the confusion of, of a false gospel that permeates the pulpits of so many churches in this, this country is so confusing it's so it's so damaging, you know. I'd rather I'd rather deal with someone that's unchurched than someone that's coming out of a prosperity gospel background because they think they know the truth, but they don't. There's no victory in their life. There's no fruit. Um, not to make all prosperity, you know, heresy the same level. There's lighter versions of things, but to me, these things are you know in opposition to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I feel you know that God has called me to be a watchman to contend for the faith, because to be honest with you, while there may be more qualified men, I don't see many men rising up to the occasion. And I'll, I'll be honest with you, Gary, just a personal thing. I don't speak about this a whole lot, but in my prayer closet, um, in my secret prayer closet, when I get with God and when I wrote the book, simple gospel, it was a journey for me. Um, and I, you know, I was thinking to myself, I can't say this. And I would go pray. I would get in God's word. And I would say, no, I have to say this. You know, checking my intentions, checking my heart. Um, 
you know, and, and it, it was this journey of realizing that God needs men, like Jude says, to stand up and contend for the faith. What does he say in the letter to that he writes? He says, I wanted to write to you and, and encourage you in the faith that we hold in common. But unfortunately, I can't. Unfortunately, I'm, some circumstances have urged me to write you to stand and contend for the faith. And we are in a place right now where there needs to be men who stand up and contend for the faith. And I'm here to say that I believe the Bible preaches that all pastors are required to contend for the faith, defend the faith, proclaim the faith. Um, and I and I and I really know for me the driving force of my life. And I say this with all hopes of humility: is I live my life knowing that I'm going to give an account for the things I did and the things I said in this life. I'm convinced of that more than anything else. I'm going to stand before God one day. And uh, I know that I, I won't go wrong proclaiming the truth of his word. I know that I won't, I won't have a bunch of twigs and, and uh, stubble to get burned up. I'm sure I will have plenty of that. But, but I want the core of my life to be in honor of pouring my life out for him. And, uh, you know, I think there is some truth to the fact that someone like me who squandered a good portion of his life and wasted a lot of his life and even mocked Christians and, you know, looked at it as foolishness for so long, having become convinced of the truth of God that I, I do feel this compelling burden and to, to, to bring the truth to others because, um, you know, I lived my life in just opposition of God. So how could I not live the rest of my life? proclaiming him and making him known and standing for him. And scriptures like, you know, I'll be ashamed in front of my father on behalf of you if you're ashamed of me in front of men. All we really have to do as preachers is make sure our conscience is clear, that we don't build a soapbox or that we're not critical about things that aren't biblical, that we're preaching the full counsel of God and that we are in line with his word. Um, of course, we give the truth and love, but I always like to say it this way. The, there, the truth is love. The truth itself is love. You know, I, I look at the seeker-sensitive movement and I think people say, you're, you're not very loving. I feel like telling people if they die apart from Christ that they, they will be in hell. Um, I'm not trying to scare them. I want them to understand that there is a true consequence for rejecting God in this life. And that is the passion of my heart. The gospel is the passion of my heart. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing the best I can with the with the the faculties and the abilities God has given me, and I think that's that's all He asks from us. Yeah, well, I tell you, it's been encouraging and challenging. Um, I would uh, challenge anybody that is listening to this podcast today to uh, forward it to some friends. I think it's important. A lot of people hear what you're saying today. Uh, the church is in a challenging. Uh, situation right now and we need as much truth and love put out there as possible so joshua we thank you for being with us today um if anybody is uh, interested in getting more about your ministry you have a, a website as well that's uh yeah my my personal website is just joshuawest.net um okay. and uh my youtube and page somebody wanted, say that again if somebody wanted to you know sometimes people are listening to this and they have a they're they're struggling themselves, or they have a family member who's struggling with an addiction. Uh, how would they get a hold of you if they want some information about the program itself? So you you definitely can always reach out to us directly. Uh, you could call our program. Uh, I'll just give the number if that's okay. Five eight zero four two nine three nine four zero. And uh, even if you're a man or a woman or a child, we can direct you to the the program that you need. Um, 
if you just need encouragement, you just give us a call. Um, if you you know have any questions about what we spoke about here today, you can leave questions at my website and I try to answer them as, as quickly as I can and, and when I can to the best of my ability. Um, and definitely if you're, if you're, if you're struggling in any way, we would love to help you. Uh, you know, and, and, and the truth is, is the answer isn't always just coming to team challenge. It's just about figuring out, you know, what you need. You know, some people just need to connect with the local church. Some people just need to get under biblical preaching. Some people need to get in a support group of some type, you know, as far as addiction or anything else goes in life. But, you know, if you reached out to us, we'd do our best to put you in touch with uh, someone in your area who could help you because we do span the, the entire nation. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joshua. It was good being with you today. Appreciate your heart and your content, your books uh, in the show notes today. If you're watching the podcast, uh, you can see it will have uh, all those, the titles of his books listed and uh, his phone number and all the um, information about Teen Challenge as well. Joshua, thank you. Appreciate you so much. Thanks for having me, Gary. God bless you. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, transforming lives through the message and mission of Jesus Christ. Each week, this podcast reaches thousands of listeners. This critical work is made possible by the generous contributions of individuals like you who believe in World Challenge's mission. Thank you for listening and supporting.